Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Prime Time on Money FM 89.3. I'm Rachel Kelly. And we've been monitoring this story on an hourly basis, continued updates over the last few days. And in news out today, U.S. intelligence agencies believe Russia has formed a plan to fabricate a pretext for an invasion of Ukraine, potentially by producing propaganda videos showing a staged attack. Now, Russia has accused the United States of ramping up tensions and ignoring Moscow's calls to ease a standoff over Ukraine and Russia has also denied plans for an invasion but has amassed thousands of troops on its borders with the Ukraine. To get the latest on the situation and help us to understand what exactly is going on, we're joined now by Pushan Dutt, Professor of Economics and Political Sciences at INSEAD. Pushan, great to have you back with us. Thank you for having me. So, Pushan, I mean, we've also just read in the news that Russian President Vladimir Putin has arrived in Beijing today. He's expected to attend the 2022 Winter Olympics and hold a meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. The Kremlin said yesterday that Russia and China are going to discuss closer gas and financial ties during Putin's trip there. All of this comes on the back of the tensions we've seen with the U.S. over what's happening with Ukraine and also with with NATO Yesterday in the news, the United States said it's going to send 3,000 extra troops to Poland and Romania to shield Eastern Europe. What's happening? So let's just recognize that things are very fragile and volatile. Mm -hmm. So all these moves by Russia, this not only threatens Ukraine's sovereignty, but I think the entire fate of the European security order, the future of NATO, sort of hinges on these events. So it actually also affects the U.S.'s much-wanted pivot towards Asia because, you know, it has to pay a lot more attention now to Ukraine and to Russia. So one way to think about this is that this is a form of coercive diplomacy on part of Russia, so it's a series of escalations and threats that will further their security interests. Now, Vladimir Putin wants Washington to agree to a security order mm-hmm. for uh, Eastern Europe where Russia has a voice and even a veto on certain arrangements. So like former Soviet Union countries should not join the uh, NATO, uh, close down NATO's open door policy and roll back lots of defense cooperation. So from Russia's perspective, both Europe and America should agree that Moscow's security considerations take precedence. But there are two problems here. First, both the Americans and the NATO members are standing firm. They're not budging from their red lines. And even if I second, if I look at the Russian demands, they seem to be cobbled together at the last minute. Mm. In fact, it's not even clear that if there's an agreement, how it would be enforced and made legally binding. So it seems that perhaps all this diplomacy and talks are just for performance and that an invasion of Ukraine may be inevitable. Why is all of this happening now, Pushan? So uh, we'll have to look a little bit at history mm-hmm. uh, from, from from the immediate uh, uh, the immediate reasons of follow uh, the following. So Russia has always considered Ukraine as its brother or sister nation, and it's very opposed to Ukraine's drift towards NATO, Europe, and US. So Russia actually wants to say in its internal governance and its foreign policy because there are uh, quite a few Russian speakers in Ukraine as well. Second, uh, Moscow has slowly lost faith in the Minsk agreement, this was the ceasefire agreement with Ukraine. So Ukraine, under President Zelensky, initially showed interest in dialogue and cooperation with the Russians, 
But then Zelensky arrested some Putin's allies in Ukraine, shut down some pro-Russian TV station, and continued uh, pleading for formal NATO membership. The roots of the conflict actually go back even further to the fall of the Soviet Union. So Russia got very worried as it saw former Soviet Union countries, former Warsaw Pact countries join the NATO and even the EU. It was sort of okay with the Baltic states, Mm -hmm. but with Ukraine, I think Putin is going to ferociously oppose this happening to countries in its own backyard because it believes that Ukraine might become a platform for U.S. power projection. Uh, So the Russian leadership believes that Ukraine is being used against Russia and they cannot compel a voluntary reversal, so they're going to go for a military solution. So let's talk about the current situation on the ground. Um, The U.S. has sent troops, 3,000 extra troops, to Poland and Romania yesterday. We've got Russian troops on the border as well. What exactly is Moscow asking for? for things to settle down? I mean, I know you've mentioned that perhaps a move may be inevitable, but potentially what are they looking at? So in the talks to date, the U.S. and Mm -hmm. the Allies have been very willing to acknowledge Russia's concerns, and they're open to discussing an expanded strategic stability agenda. But they are are refusing to shut down NATO's open-door policy. They are refusing to restrict military cooperation with non-member states on grounds of sovereignty. Uh, And, you know, some of the demands from Russia are quite implausible, like remove military forces from Romania and Bulgaria. So they might be more open to discussing things like, you know, future missile placements, mutual reductions in military activity. The Americans also offered a one-on-one presidential summit between Biden and Putin. Now, this does not seem to be satisfying Putin. So from Moscow's perspective, I think the the way they see the situation Mm -hmm. is that either they escalate or Ukraine slips away. I mean, it's not really... I think Putin also does not have a way to back down from this gracefully without looking very weak. And uh, maybe his political support might be threatened coming from the elite, coming from, from the population. So that's going to make him really reluctant to actually, you know, have step away from this conflict. And Pushan, according to reports, Washington said it will not send troops into Ukraine itself to shield it from a Russian attack, but would impose financial sanctions on Moscow and send arms to help Ukrainians defend themselves. What kind of sanctions could we potentially be looking at? So uh, given that, you know, uh, both the Biden administration and NATO are struggling with Putin's uh, aggression, I think the question is no longer how do we stop it from, mm-hmm. from their perspective, but how do the Americans thwart Russia's aims and impose as big a cost on Putin's regime, and that's where the sanctions come in. Now, the sanctions that they're contemplating will use probably the Iranian sanctions as a template. So financial sanctions, sanctions against the banking system, against oil and gas, and cutting off parts of the Russian economy from the financial system. Uh, The new things that they're contemplating, which they did not do, is they're contemplating blocking them of exports of sensitive technologies. This will hit Russia's defense industry, new oil projects. Mm. They might even not get the newest versions of the iPhone. The Americans also believe that one of the most effective things is to go after the Russian oligarchs who have assets in Europe and especially in UK. Unfortunately, the UK government under Boris Johnson is completely distracted by Partygate. Now, Putin has also been anticipating this for a while and he's built up a huge uh, foreign exchange reserve. Uh, so uh, in the short run, 
he will be able to tolerate these sanctions, but its costs are likely to become start becoming significant as time goes by. We're speaking with Pushan Dutt, Professor of Economics and Political Sciences at INSEAD. Pushan, you mentioned energy there. Let's talk about the energy agenda here, because let's not forget, Russia is still Europe's main energy supplier. But also on that energy narrative, as I mentioned earlier, Putin's arrived in Beijing today. We've got reports that, you know, the Kremlin said yesterday that Russia and China are going to discuss closer gas and financial ties during Putin's trip there. A report also stated that, you know, this is, they're going to discuss a long-held idea for a new gas pipeline to China that's being examined. Talk to us about the energy narrative here and how this plays into what's going on at the moment. So again, I think the parallel to Iran is is, is useful. So when Iran was cut off from mm-hmm. exporting its oil and natural gas, uh, with some countries it started a barter system, okay, because they were basically cut off from the dollar economy. So uh, Russia is essentially finding alternate markets, and we know that you know in China there is a huge demand for energy. Now this uh, the energy situation in Europe in the short term is also going to be quite uh, quite difficult because Europe relies on Russia for 40% of its natural mm. gas. Now the Americans are sending natural gas uh, liquefied versions of it to Rotterdam. Some of it is coming from Qatar, but if Russia cuts off supply, gas prices are going to spike further. Now we just saw yesterday that inflation had crossed five percent in the in Europe, making the European Central Bank very worried. So this would simply add to these inflationary pressures, and it, it might sort of spill over to the world as a whole because Russia also works with Saudi Arabia as an outside OPEC member. So if if you know if oil prices continue to go up, then this is going to essentially lead to central banks everywhere being forced to raise interest rates to stop inflation from spiraling. One last point, I think in retrospect, Angela Merkel made a very critical mm-hmm. error in writing off nuclear power because this has made Germany completely reliant on, on the gas pipelines and on Russian gas. In retrospect, you know, uh, despite uh, you know, nuclear energy is a clean energy compared to natural gas, and perhaps she shouldn't have done that. Pushan, what are you going to be looking out for in the week ahead or what are you going to be looking out for to happen next? What do you expect? So th- there is there is a clock ticking, which mm-hmm. is that once, uh, you know, the ice and snow melts in Ukraine, then it, it becomes very difficult for the Russians to invade. They need a bunch of rivers and lakes to be frozen. So the, the longer actually this can be dragged out, the harder it's going to become for the Russians. So, so as long as we sort of even stay in this semi-status quo that we are in, and the more the time that passes, I think, you know, we can start sort of, you know, taking a sigh of relief. Okay. Well, Pushan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us tonight to unpack the current situation, the Russia-Ukraine situation as it evolves. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Pushan Dutt, Professor of Economics and Political Sciences at INSEAD. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.